and welcome rugby fans to another episode here with your team from the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. A quick reminder to our fans, my name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities alongside the familiar voice and face of Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And in the absence of Scott the Big Guy Ferrara, we bring in another Rooney regular with uh, Mike Perizzini, the Grand Poobah himself. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you guys for having me. Right. I think this is like awesome your as a voice, mate. Or sixth time. Like you're becoming a pretty regular yeah. fixture here. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, closest fifth or sixth time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is. I think it is. I think you might be one of our, uh, uh, one of the, the most often on the show. So uh, you got lots to live up to. So we're, but we've got I'm a still waiting for that check. Royalties are on their way. Royalties are on their way. Me so, too. And, no, no, and listen, I'm just jaded because uh, Rooney has kept my guys out of the playoffs in the last two years. Nothing personal, Mikey. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's also fair to be able to introduce our newcomer to the rugby rant and our most recent guest ranter. Uh, we welcome MJ Spannenberg to the show. MJ, welcome. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I've been uh, watching a couple of episodes and it's been good to be on here for once. All right, <laughs> folks, don't be fooled by the somewhat Australian accent. There's a South African in there somewhere. Yeah, very deep. <laughs> I, I, and we know that because he was he was making biltong in my basement about two two winters ago. It was a it was okay. Now, pleasure. don't get me started on like the the biltong debate because that's like a whole nother rant in its own right. And uh, biltong, if you're not familiar, uh, is way better than jerky and. Jerky does not compare, go to hell. Um, (laughs) So with all that being said, for those of you that are tuning in and might not know what we do here on the Rugby Rant, let me tell you a little bit about it. Well, we are a collective of rugby fans and we focus on being able to share the news from around the pitch. And on that note, we're going to make sure that we share exactly what's going on around the league. So we'll be back in just a moment. And around the pitch, gentlemen, how does it work? Well, I remind our viewers listening and tuning in here uh, to be able to share in a few short words what is newsworthy, what should you as a fan take note of that has transpired over the last couple of weeks in what this may be regarded as a very short preseason ahead of the opening weekend, which happens February 5th for Major League Rugby Season 5 2022 version. So, gentlemen, we're going to pass the ball around the screen. You're going to tell us what fans should be in the know about. And we started off with Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. All right. Thank you very much, Ty. So, um, my around the pitch segment is really built uh, into the preseason. It's a little bit of frustration. I just wish, I, I first of all, let me just uh, give it some context. I understand that the league has limitations, teams are not, you know, they don't have the money that the NFL does, so they can't, you know, pre-script everything built around the preseason, but it would be nice to have a consistent format, right? And and if all owners agreed upon what that was, whether it's, hey, uh, Noah and um, uh, and and uh, uh, the, the um, Atlanta did 520s, right? Um, Rooney and Austin, uh, and Austin went at it. Uh, Dallas and Houston kind of had a scrimmage, um, so those are all different formats, ranging from a full-on game to kind of segmented games. And it was really hard to get a sense for what teams are going to do in week one as we approach that. I just wish they would find a, a, a process that works um, and they release rosters and they they just make it transparent so all the fans knew what to expect for the preseason. Right. And we spoke about this last week. And I think between you and Scott, you highlighted the importance of this is kind of standardizing it a little bit. And yes, we recognize that's a little bit more difficult under the looming COVID, you know, implications. It's still continuing. It's still relevant. And I think that was the reasoning behind why a what was supposed to be a scheduled preseason game between the Jackals and Houston Sabercats ended up being a scrimmage is that they had that last minute adjustment to be able to, you know, through some players getting possible exposure 
exposure. But really, it's about the clarity of it. So they need to just be more clear. Is this a preseason match or is this a scrimmage or is this just an extended training where fans might have the opportunity to be able to see a little glimpse of what they can expect in the opening exchanges of the season? Uh, but certainly, I think that for their own benefit as an organization, as I'm sure you would agree as a fan, uh, Rob, is that you just want to be able to make sure that the players are properly warmed up and have executed their drills properly, had enough game time, had enough field time, uh, so that when they go into those opening days, uh, there isn't unnecessary errors and, and potentially injuries, too, because they haven't had the game time. So, yeah, really relevant. It's really just about super brew picks for me. I want to make sure that I have a pretty good idea what I'm picking. I've completely overthought it, and Rob is like, well, I just wanted to know what team do I pick in the super brew contest? Because everything's all about me. Last season. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you have the worst record out of us as as the rugby ranters? Oh, sorry, you've gone silent. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So let's swing it around the pitch, yeah, and uh, hand it over to MJ. What have you got to share with our listeners? It is very much. Um, for me, it was just kind of hitting on off what Rob said. Um, it'd be nice to see the rosters, but also it'd be nice to kind of see highlights of the games or just the broadcast in general. Um, right. I know it's a bit harder for the uh, just for trial games and stuff like that, but to be able to see the players and see tries being scored and the hits and everything like that, I think that'll just feed into the the want to get it back onto the screens and just see a bit more of it, just see a little bit of a glimpse of it all. I think that'd be really nice for any fan really just to see how their team's faring in trial runs, see how the players are going, how they're looking, everything like that. So it'd be very nice just to see a couple of games, even if they just put highlights out, just something for us, just to feed us a little bit. Right. And, and you, it is true. And some teams did attempt it. You know, Houston did attempt it. They, they, they tried a full production. The quality wasn't great, but we applaud their effort. And, it, and I think for most fans would agree, it doesn't have to be a uh, professional production. It doesn't have to be a CBS broadcast for a preseason match, but they want to see something. Even if that's a packaged highlights reel uh, that you can show them afterwards, which most teams should have the capabilities of being able to do in-house these days for for something like that, that fans can actually see some of the on-field action and get a better tell of what to expect. Um, And, you know, one of the only teams I can think of that actually this past weekend hosted a full live match and has consistently done it in what is a shortened version of the preseason is the Seattle Seawolves. So, you know, even though they weren't able to to showcase it and, and stream it, or I haven't seen any highlights, which we said is important, they were still receiving fans, and fans are out there following the right protocols and enjoying some live rugby. Uh, this past weekend, they participated in a match against the Harpooners, the Hartford, uh, Hartford Harpooners. That scoreline um, was 50-0. to zero. Um, and they really gave a lot of the young talent an opportunity to be able to shine in those those the, those games. Uh, some of the names that scored was Dan Creel, Mike Brown, who who would be a familiar favorite to uh, to the Rooney fans. Um, we have Tuveti Lepeti, Lepeti Asai, uh, Brad Tucker, familiar name of course, staple there. Uh, Ina Futi, Jeremiah Sio, which is uh, his second week in a row scoring as a newbie, and uh, Travis uh, 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 Larson as well. So a couple of nice names. And this is what Seattle is doing in the difference to other teams is they're sharing this information. Uh, so take note, if you are a Seawolves fan, uh, they're doing a great job of being able to give access to the preseason fans and sharing what goes on uh, uh, with the results. So kudos to them. Let's hand it over to Mike. Yeah, I was going to take it a little bit of a different spin. I was going to talk about uh, the National Collegiate Rugby All-Stars. So uh, this past couple weeks in uh, January, the National Collegiate Rugby League had their All-Stars, which is the best players of all, you know, all around the United States, essentially, playing in different uh, regional teams. And the women had a division and the men had a division. The women ended up having uh, Eastern Penn ended up winning as well as Texas. And for the men, the New England Independence Red and the Great Lakes. And the New England Independence Red are actually one of the feeder teams for, you know, the Free Jacks. So it's good to see that, you know, good collegiate rugby is out there being played, that we're beginning to, you know, identify where the talent is. And hopefully we see a few of these, you know, young men uh, kind of move into the MLR. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. I mean, we want to be able to highlight all different levels of the game here. Uh, and here on the Rugby Rant, you know, we recognize that that these are the formative years for a lot of rugby players and we want to be able to see as much great competition for them as possible. Uh, so thanks for highlighting that. Let's hand it over to, to Rob to hear what else he has to share. 
Yeah, so I would like to just throw hats off to the AGs for their inside the scrum. I don't know if fans know this, but the AGs are actually – this is entirely paid for by by the Gilgronis, by the team. Um, and uh, it's something they took on to really heighten the exposure of the team and of the players. Uh, for those that haven't seen it, it is broadcast on the Rugby Network 24 hours after it's on Fox Sports. And it's in the hard knock style, which I completely love. Um, the, the, it's, it's a perfect way for the MLR to sell the personalities of rugby. Guys like Dominic Aquina, guys like, uh, you know, Dom Bailey, um, you know, Kurt Morath, you know, Bryce, uh, you know, Bobby Dice, Bryce Campbell, and a lot of those guys. And most importantly, I think it really highlights a guy that I've just really, really taken a shine to, and that's Sam Harris. Uh, the coach for the AGs. I mean, just a tremendous man. Everything that he talks about uh, just speaks to the qualities of his leadership style as a coach. So I cannot wait to see what the AGs and Sam Harris do in season two. I love that. You know, last week I spoke about the inside the scrum being really insightful, uh, looking to the behind the scenes. And for those of you who are not familiar, it's a great way to be able to catch up on the history of, of last season for the AGs. We had a lot of trials and tribulations. Um, they did leave last season as one of the best teams with a defensive record, um, although it'll be interesting to see how that changes here. But I love the production value. It's really good and wonderful way to be able to make sure that fans outside of the circle of MLR can begin to connect with a rugby team uh, like the AGs uh, on a platform that they're familiar with, like Fox Sports. So let's hand it over to MJ. What have you got to share? Uh, so for my second one, I'm kind of bringing it back to the collegiate side of things where I'm currently in. Um, for me, it's the new Sevens tournament that they're bringing in in the second week in May, I believe it is. Um, so used to just both tournaments or just the last couple of years, there's only been one. It's been at the end of May, uh, the start of June. So it's kind of given a little bit of a buffer for the guys playing 15s to get a bit of a break and get into a Sevens mindset. But uh, this year, it looks like they've tried to bring it a bit closer. So normally the 15 season ends in one of the first weeks of May. So it'll be pretty interesting to see how those top teams finishing a bit later in their 15 season kind of bring a team together and the trainings that they'd be going through just to compete in that sevens um, tournament coming up in the middle of May. Right. It'll be interesting to see if like, you know, with, with less rest, uh, will those legs still be tired, especially moving into a sevens, uh, 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 which is certainly the peak physical for, uh, form for, for rugby players. I mean, I tell you what, for, for me, I, I did not play a lot of sevens. <laughs> it was usually the toughest version. So um, physically, uh, fit-wise, I mean. Let's get over to, uh, to Mike Perizzini. What have you got to share as your last bit of around the pitch? This is a new one. This is only, you know, six hours at out um mlr has an official whistle which i find yeah. hysterical it's something that we need to know about it's acme acme whistles um they announced that but this is just something new that this is just another sponsorship another tie-in this i think this is good for you know mlr i think we need to continue with these sponsorships and tie-ins i think the the overall goal is eventually to get you know some sort of sports betting tie-in you know in new york sports betting just became legal um, there've been I've been seeing ads nonstop for you know Caesar Sportbook and all these other different betting platforms. I think uh, sports betting is going to be I think the future, and so slowly but surely, I think with all these different sponsorships and tie-ins, we'll eventually get there. Right, and you know you got to look at like how sponsorships um, like CoolBet are are working with uh, the Toronto Arrows, so it's certainly finding a little bit more influence over the league. Um, and as more uh, you know uh, the league profile grows, uh, the interest with that will grow because it's it's so connected to the mainstream sports in the US. So we'll we'll definitely see it in in, in the very very near future being a very normal thing, I imagine. Uh, I wanted to be able to draw uh, everybody's attention to something that's. Um, uh, very recent as well. So Rugby ATL has been in the press for a couple of different reasons. Uh, more recently, with the change of the stadium, uh, on the back of that, there was the announcement of the change of ownership as well uh, and moving over to to, to new uh, coaching staff as well. So there's a lot of changes over there. And there's been a little bit of uh, decentralization of some of the, the organization. But one thing I want to be able to give them credit to is the way that they've handled very difficult a delicate scenario where one of their players is involved in some sort of a, a, an incident that required one of them to be suspended while an investigation was underway. Having that 
concluded, uh, they now realized that the player in question was Jeremy Misagaru, talking about the missile, right? And he has now been removed from the organization. And this is a clear message that um, Rugby ATL looks at the values uh, of their brand, their core philosophies. And if a player does not meet that standard, they are willing to be able to part ways as amicably as possible. Um, And while it was a very difficult scenario, it does have some legal implications and there still are ongoing consequences. uh, It's important to recognize that they have done what they need to as an organization and were transparent in what their decision was with fans. Uh, So I want to give them kudos uh, for the transparency and, and, and being able to handle a difficult scenario as delicately as possible. Um, And, and while, you know, you know, rugby ATL has still probably got many more changes to come. Um, It's good to know that the values are still most important. So kudos to them. Gentlemen, that is around the pitch. And for you as the fan, you now know what you pay attention to from the last week, and you can continue to be able to learn more each and every week as we'll have new ranters sharing what they think is important, what you should take note of. So let's head out of this section as we move forward. But before then, we're going to take a moment to be able to hear from one of our sponsors, and we'll be back shortly. <clears throat> Ted Ed Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers, but it is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tight Ed is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and is easily accessible for many Chicagoans and is just steps away from the Metra. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tight Ed staff are dedicated to ensure your micro-brew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for the rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tight Ed is committed to supporting the local rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tight Ed's Tap Room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or a dark barrel-aged brew, Tight Ed can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tight Ed Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tight Ed, it's worth more than a try. And welcome back, rugby fans. This time, we're going to be talking about our rugby debates. Here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, we've become very popular for our heated debates where we ask the tough questions and our ranters compete against one another for top honors to be crowned the top ranter. The first topic for today is they are given an opportunity to be able to share in two minutes what they think is important about it. Well, we're going to be breaking down the Western Conference, who they think is going to stand out, who they think has got the question mark, what team will rise above them all. They're going to tell us the ins and outs when it comes to the Western Conference and their predictions, where it may lie, and who you should be betting on come the end of the season. So, gentlemen, remember, you all have two minutes, and we're going to start that in just a moment. And gentlemen, you know the rules. Once again, you have two minutes to be able to debate the topic at hand, the Western Conference breakdown. Who should we pay attention to and why? We're going to hand it over to Mike Perizzini to start us off. Thanks, Ty. So I think that the Western Conference is going to look a lot like the Eastern Conference did of last year. It's going to be a lot closer, a lot more down to the wire. I don't think the Giltinis are going to run away with it nearly as much as they did last year. I'm not going to say that the Giltinis aren't going to be dominant because I think they definitely are. Um, they definitely move some. They brought some new pieces in, move some things around, and so they they still have the talent there. But I think everyone else seemed to improve a lot better um, and a lot more. I think that you, you can't sleep on Austin this year. Uh, I think they, they definitely coming out. They've got stuff to prove. Um, they're coming out strong, and you know. Word is from their, their scrimmage, whether, you know, it was just a scrimmage or what it was this past weekend against Rooney, they played incredibly well. Um, I think Seattle as well is going to move up. They think they, they've got something to prove as well. That last season they want to make it seem like was a fluke and they want to come in and they, they really have been preparing, the, you know, for the hunt this, that is this year. Um, I think that San Diego, unfortunately, is going to struggle a bit. Um, 
I think they they made some good moves, but I just I don't know. It seems like everyone else is getting better, and th- that goes for Houston and Dallas as well. I'm not saying that you know they haven't made you know the right trades and getting bring in the right players in. I just think that everyone else has just gotten that much better, and so I think it's going to be a very very tough conference. But overall, I think uh, it's going to be LA again. All right, so your your best pick is LA. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be faulted for saying that. I think many fans might very well agree with you, certainly on the back of their performance last year. Um, but I do like how you mentioned that, you know, in the first half of last season, they seemed to run away with it. But certainly by the second half of the season, teams had adjusted and figured out the game plan of how to be able to slow that ball down and just restrict their opportunity to move it uh, as quickly as they had in the past, which got many of those points on the board. But something that I wanted to be able to highlight, and, and this giving us a little bit of context, and looking back, at 2021, the top three teams uh, that certainly stood out of the crowd for the for the Western Conference was LA at the top, who obviously finished ultimately first in their conference and also eventually taking the title overall. Uh, they ended the season with 12 wins on record and four losses. So, uh, and all those losses came in the second half of the season, as we said. So, you know, teams will be looking to be able to to use that as a blueprint, I imagine, this season to be able to at least uh, look for some of the same uh, uh, strengths and weaknesses in the the LA program. But what was so amazing is that by the end of the season, they'd finished with a points differential of 240 in the positive, uh, which is amazing to be able to see. Um, But I think we all know that many of those points came early in the season as they happened to be able to put big numbers on teams uh, in the beginning. Then second to them was Utah in second place with 10 wins and six losses, points differential of 42 in their favor. And you had mentioned this one as a a potential star uh, uh, to be able to watch is the AGs who came in third with nine wins and seven losses, but a points differential of 72. Uh, So that gives a little bit of context based on last season, those top three, all three of those names were mentioned by Mike as a potential, but again, recapping his top pick was still LA. Let's hand it over to MJ. All right. So I kind of went a similar way in terms of my thinking. Um, I think in terms of last season to this season, LA has just kind of made some of the better moves. I think from what they lost, as you just said before, they had a points differential of over 200. And with that, they lost, I think, one or two of their backline players, but they brought in so much talent. I know for a fact they brought in um, Tom Mitchell, who's an ex-English Sevens player. They brought in Will Chambers, um, uh, Australian NRL player and rugby union player as well. And then um, some exciting players like DeMonte Noble as well that fit in pretty nicely in the backline. So for me, I think they've just kind of brought in more players than they lost. And their forward pack was already strong enough in terms of who they have and their um, assets that they have down there. Um, For me, I think a surprise might be coming from the Houston Sabercats. I think the coaching that they brought in has come in with a lot of experience. And from what I've, two of my friends got drafted there. And from the talks, they've been, they've been working really hard in this off season, just trying to bring in the right pieces and trying to, trying to see what they can do this year. And I think in terms of last year, when they only won two games, I think for them, it's probably going to be one of their better years just coming out from the bottom. They'll definitely be in the top three, I think, in the conference. Yeah. And, you know, I love that the fact that you highlighted the Sabercats. Um, and the Sabercats have been kind of got a little bit of a, I don't know if the right word is bad rap, but they've built a little bit of a reputation of being continual underperformers uh, because they got the right facility. They've got the right coaching now. They've got all the right pieces of the puzzle is just not quite connected yet and and there are many fans regardless whether you're a houston fan or not that want to kind of see them elevate themselves and this hopefully would be the season we were fortunate enough in the earliest days to be able to bring heineken mayor onto our show of course it's a former uh, former springboks rugby coach and now the director of rugby at houston um and he's really brought in a lot of additional talent um that will very much so uh, play a different style of rugby. Will that style of rugby uh, be be obvious uh, this season and will it deliver results? We certainly hope to be able to see so, but I think that there's only room for them to go up from 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 where they have been. Uh, so that's all good news. I love the fact that you highlighted LA though too. One thing that I take away from that there, MJ, is you said that, yeah, sure, they may have lost a couple of players, but they've probably gained more 
when you actually think about it. Um, so there's definitely a lot of speed. There's definitely a lot of talent. And especially when you talk about somebody like Mitchell, who's got that sevens, now transitioning to 15s, I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic. And the ball's going to be moving just as fast as it had in season four of MLR. So great highlights from MJ. Thank you for the contribution. Let's swing it over to Rob Hamishman. Thank you. So I, you know, unlike in the, when we talked about the Eastern conference where I focused on, you know, the, the nine, 10 combinations at mm-hmm. every team and how that was going to gel. Cause there's some changes there for this particular conference. I think the major question is the difference in style. Do they want to be immediately successful versus developing talent? And we can see, for example, we, uh, you know, the Dallas Jackals are really focusing on developing talent. We saw that in our conversation with Henry Trinder. Check that out on our Patreon. Um, but, you know, then we have the Seattle Seawolves. They have a good core, but are the additions they made enough with guys like Lopetti, who we'll get into and talk about later, will that be enough to put them over the edge? Isefo, et cetera. Uh, you know, the, San Diego, grizzled veterans. Uh, but will they have the legs at the end of the day? Do they have another season? And we saw what happened to Rob Shaw. I think game seven, he was out uh, for the season, couldn't contribute. And then we get into the leaders of the pack. <clears throat> Utah, can the new halfback combination, because Hagen, Schulte, and Baskar are out. We're going to see two new guys coming in, uh, Caleb McKenna and um, uh, o- O'Gara, I believe, or Niall Saunders at nine as well. So will that happen? Houston is a South African influence of Heineke Meyer and Pote Human enough to put them over the edge and all the Safas that they got coming in. Tyler surely thinks so, and probably MJ as well. And finally, uh, we have, you know, Austin and LA. Did they make those great adjustments to already solid squads to to you know fight it out at the very end and be the one to represent the West? I'm going with LA. All right. So it looks like across the board, your picks are LA for the number one seed. Um, and and I, th- I think there's a big mix in the middle. Um, I think overall, there's an, a, a degree of optimism from all of us when it comes to the Sabercats. Uh, just a couple of question marks on what style of rugby it may be, because we know that the South African influence, as heavy as it is, uh, might be a little different gameplay to what you might see from other teams, especially across the league. Um, or maybe not. Maybe I'm way off base. Maybe they're going to embrace every value that it is and try everything that he's always wanted to be able to try throughout his career as a coach, and and we'll see something completely different. Um, but ultimately, they have the greatest room to be able to improve out of any of them. And, and, and I, I was going to add, you know, the one interesting thing about about um, Houston is think about not only that huge South Africa mix, but them bringing in Danny Barrett, CC Mahoney, Christian mm-hmm. Dyer, Mai Tai Lauda. Uh, they already have Pangelina and they have Boyer. So, you know, you know, and then they have two those two guys from from uh, uh, Manuel Albert and um, uh, Tanache Machena right. coming in from Lindenwood. I mean, it's a really interesting mix. Of, it is. Um, and that's what's going to be brilliant to be able to yeah. see. Um, I, I do think that you mentioned that name. Nick Boyer is going to be one of the scrummies to be able to watch this season. I don't think he properly got the opportunity to shine last season because he was a late transfer from L.A. and then came to, to Houston. But the moment he did, they were electric. Um, you know, he picked up the pace of the game. So, you know, you mentioned like Basco quite a few times as one of your favorites. I think Boyer's got many of the same qualities to kind of change the momentum of the game very quickly. Um, so I think that that's, that's going to be an, an important element there um, that I hope to be able to see more of him this coming season. Um, San Diego, I, I got to think that, you know, I'm on the similar wavelength as you guys. It's, it, it you know, names like Ma Nonu, as great as they are, and Rubshaw, um is there enough of, of the rest of the team to be able to carry them through? What, are they relying on the same, the same old, same old? And, and what are we going to see that's new from them this season that clearly didn't work for them last season? Um, there's pressure to be able to perform. They are some of the initial uh, uh, great performers of, of, of the league. Um, but, you know, I think this is a credit to what Mike had said. Is it a question about that they're just not improving as much or has everybody else improved far more than right. they have and they've just kind of not been able to stay with the times? And in the same vein, I feel very much similar to, to Seattle. But I like what you said, though, with Seattle is that at least there's a lot of strength in, 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 in the youth that they're bringing in. They're trying different combinations and they're trying different things. Last season, it didn't click. Hopefully, we could see a little bit more from them. Um, Mike, I, I, I remember you saying that you think that this is going to be a much tighter league, uh, sorry, conference 
than it appeared last season. I think I may agree with you, but I think we're still going to see Ale from the top, from the start at the top. Does anybody disagree yeah. with me? No, and, and the big question with Austin is, you know, they were a great defensive team last year, but if what? you watch inside the scrum, that there's a, a, a real strong acknowledgement that they didn't have the offense. Will you know? Will the addition of Marcel Brocky coming in and pairing with his his USA um, Eagle pairing, um, mm-hmm. you know, Bryce Campbell, will that be enough? You know, will Connor Mooneyham be able to stay in the lineup consistently to score? You know, the tries and really show off what he showed he could do in a few games. Yeah, and one of the guys that I think that was certainly a standout that I'd like to see a little bit more from is Mason Koch, uh, the, uh, the the hooker replacement, right? And he was one of the, 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 the younger guys to come to the team. They definitely got talent. They definitely got the speed. They definitely got the ability to score tries. But for whatever reason, it didn't click last season. But still was in their favor with a 72-point points differential at the end of last season. Uh, and really the difference between um, them making it into the second and third spot was that one one game. Um, and we can't also, you know, you were talking about Utah for, for a moment. I think what people loved about them last season is that they were almost the comeback kids of, of, of the league. How many times did they manage to pull it out the bag at the last minute, you know, digging deep in those last five to ten minutes and pulled off the wins, right, guys? Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And that takes and a lot of emotional time. energy. And do they have – can they sustain and do they have that, you know, um, uh, team mentality that can can – Right, bring that forward to this season. Well, and what ended for them is just that they, in their last match, they just didn't have that extra little bit. So I think if you're a, if you're a Utah Warriors fan, you would hope to be able to see your team put on points on the board earlier in the game, yeah. stretch that gap as much as possible, um, and really take charge of the game earlier, so they're not having to play the catch up uh, under pressure in that final twenty minutes. Which we know your luck is eventually going to run out. Sure, you make your own luck, but there's only so many times you could do that, right? Uh, that in, until eventually it runs out. Uh, MJ, you, I mean, what do you think? Uh, I definitely agree. Um, I have uh, Utah kind of get, getting to the middle of the pack this year. I also have. Um, Austin making a good run for it at the end, just because of, as Rob said, the partner, the partnership and the combinations might be really good for them on top of a really good defense that they showed throughout the last season. Um, throughout all the teams, I think it was mentioned before that the Legion didn't seem to make as many moves as many of the other teams, as you saw um, the Sabercats and LA, all of them brought in some serious players. I just didn't hear any, any of the same from the teams like the Legion. So I'm not 100% sure how they will go. But overall, I do think it'll be a lot tighter um, from the first to the last place than it was last year. I mean, the difference last time was about eight games difference from the top to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and that's a very fair point. And, you know, and, and, and if it mimics what the Eastern Conference had done last season, um, it would be a really exciting conference. And it should be. Um, but, you know, it's, it's going to remain to be seen. But right now, as a recap, Almost everybody, I think everybody here agreed that LA will most likely still end up on top. Um, it's 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 very much uh, a conversation between AGs and, and Utah and, and possibly, well, Utah, it seems like to me, Utah and, and, and the Warriors, sorry, Utah Warriors and AGs would be the, the better pick for that playoff opportunity as well. Um, so in that case, it might follow a very similar pattern to last season. It's the outliers of San Diego, Seattle, and Sabercats that might mix it up a little bit and make it more competitive. So I guess ultimately we're hoping to be able to see an improvement from those three teams to make the conference as a whole more competitive. So with all that said, being being said, gentlemen, that is the end of our first rant. And as is customary, we take a break before we come back. And if you want to be able to enjoy our next rant, you can get that exclusive content by following us on Patreon.com, our new home for our exclusive content that is not seen already on TRN or our social media. But of course, you can continue to enjoy us and with this format on those platforms. So if you're looking to be able to get a little bit more extended interviews on our run, parcel, kick interviews, additional rants, and more news, follow us on Patreon for only as little as three bucks, less than a beer. You can help us continue to do what we love each and every week and uh, sharing the game we love together on patreon.com. Find us under the handle Rugby Rant Pod. Your donation is appreciated. (laughs) We'll be back in just a moment. 
fans, of course, to that familiar piece, the run, pass, or kick interviews with your team here from the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. As a reminder, my name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities, alongside the familiar face and voice of my colleague, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. But more importantly, we need to be able to introduce the man of the hour. That is, of course, the recent signing Joining us on this side of the pond, all the way from the UK, we have Henry Trinder. Henry, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Good to meet you and uh, looking forward to it. Well, it's us that are looking forward to it because we get to put you to what we like to call the RPK test. Otherwise, as fans may know it as the run, pass or kick interviews. But before I dive into it, it's best you learn how it works if you've never seen it before. So let me throw it over to Rob Hammerschmidt. Thank you very much, Ty. And again, welcome, Henry. It's wonderful to have you on. I've been excited uh, ever since I started doing a little research. And hopefully it won't get too messy on you, but uh, we're going to have a lot of fun, I think. Um, For those fans who are just joining us who have never seen a run, pass, or kick interview, it works like this. We're going to pose some questions to Henry, and we'll prompt all those questions with run, pass, or kick. And just like any good back, and we know he is deft with a foot and deft with his hands and can put a shimmy on every once in a while, he has three options. He can run over the question, which is to say that he's going to go ahead and answer it. He can pass a question, which is going to suggest that a little too hot to handle would rather dish that off. Or he can have a little fun with us, put us on the back foot, put us on the defensive, and he can kick a question. He'll let us know what he's going to do. And if he kicks the question, we'll assume that whomever asked the question will field his response. Or he can direct his kick either way, again, to have a little fun and tell one of us, Ty or myself, who he wants to answer. And what we'll do is we'll answer in a way that we think Henry would answer. And he can grade us out after uh, our answer is complete. Say we're complete rubbish. Say we're spot on. Um, it's totally and completely up to him. And he can even follow up if he likes to. So can I can I, can I add to that? Uh, you have to do it in English accent as well. <laughs> all right. What the hell? It's all yeah. fun and games here. Exactly. Nobody's going to get hit. All right. I it'll, mine will probably slip into the Australian accent every once in a while. I's probably a bit more adept. He spent ten years on a cruise ship, so he's pretty good at the accents. <laughs> so, Henry, I got to ask you then, are you ready for the run, pass, or kick challenge? Ready to go. Yes. Let's go. All right. So, here we go. First question. We're going to have a little fun with this one. Uh, again, I'm known for being a bit of a social media whore, and I dive deep into our uh, our guests' uh, you know backgrounds on social media. Run, pass, or kick. You are married to an American model, uh, Ryan Murphy. I think I pronounced her first name correct, right? Ryan Murphy. Yes, it is. Yeah. Run, pass, or kick, and and weigh your response carefully, mate. Weigh it, <laughs> weigh it carefully. Did you outkick your coverage? Did I outkick my coverage? Did you? Are you familiar with that uh, phrase, by the way? No, but I, I know what you mean. I think okay. it's, it's called like punching above your punching above, Punch your, above weight. your weight. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, obviously, I'm going to run with this. I'm going to say, of course, I outpunch <laughs> I, I my weight. Uh, I'm a very lucky person, obviously, and uh, cherish every single day together. So that's the, the, the correct response I'm saying to, to that. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure, which is completely true. And let me just say, fans, if you haven't done a deep dive into Henry's uh, social media, go ahead and I welcome you to do it. There is a video in which it was during an injury. We'll talk about that later. Uh, or maybe it was just during COVID to keep his skills sharp. Uh, he, she's actually willingly allowing him to practice 100 passes with the left hand and 100 <laughs> passes with the right hand. Yeah, I got to say, mate, you definitely – yeah. Hit a home run in this seven, one. She was about seven months pregnant as well. So that I to make sure that my <laughs> Just my to add extra stakes to it. Perfect. <laughs> it was definitely a head height passing game just to make sure I didn't uh, hit anything too precious. So we got away with it too. So yeah, probably not the safest thing to do. Well, it's offered a great story there. Um, And and we're going to stay on this train just for a moment. And now I have the opportunity to deliver the next question to you, my friend. So run, pass or kick. Here is your question. You and Ryan have a daughter. The three of you now have the chance to experience 
life in America, uh, now having recently been signed as a Dallas Jackal for their inaugural season. So how much did the opportunity weigh into your decision to live in the U.S. and play rugby here? How much of that was weighed on the fact of coming to America? Um, I, I can run this one as well. I'll run this one. Uh, it would be very interesting to see how you guys would have answered that. That would have been very interesting. But uh, uh, it, yeah, it was obviously it was it made it it made it easier really to be honest. I mean the the MRL taking off. Uh, talking to a couple of guys that have been in the league for um, a, a few years, you got uh, Rob Shaw, uh, uh, Ben Foding, and people like that. Just touching base with those to see how it's going. Everyone's super excited about it. Uh, and for me, being in the Premiership for well almost a decade and a half, it's it was. It was a nice um, chance for me to go and experience rugby somewhere else. Um, right. I had a short, short spell in France uh, right at the end of my sort of career in Europe before coming here. And I loved that. Um, really enjoyed just getting in a different environment. And sort of when I spoke to Elaine, who's obviously the GM here, she had great ideas for how she wanted to use the club, grow the game in the area. And uh, I mean, Texas is a pretty cool place so far. So it was, it was a very... It was a rugby easy decision, and it, obviously having uh, Ryan, my wife, who's American, uh, and our little daughter Riley, who's got dual citizenship, they were actually easier to get here than I was to get here through the visa <laughs> thing. So they were pretty much on the plane before I was. So uh, yeah, I mean, my my wife's uh, uh, originally from Chicago, so she's happy to be a bit closer to home. Oh, Rob, uh, Rob loves home. to hear that he's from Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. There we go. The windy yeah. city. Yeah, it hey, has mate, nothing you, to do with the weather. This so way, give me a shout. For sure, for sure. I'll buy you a pint. Um, or two or three or <laughs> there four. We go, yeah. A Bud Light, as, as everyone seems to like here. But yeah, so it was actually, it was quite an easy decision, to be fair. Um, it's a, a lovely place to come and live. Heard some good places. It's supposed to be really sunny. We've had a little bit of both. It's supposed to be snowing this week. I didn't think it snowed in Texas, so that's a bit of a, a <laughs> yeah. spanner in the world. Trust, you know, they told yeah. me that this was a nice, warm place until I arrived. <laughs> it literally, it literally, it's been like, I think it's been a couple of very, very cold mornings. But yeah. Brought the English they're, weather they're, with you then, did you? Yeah, I did. But they are saying to cherish them. They said in sort of like the April, May time when it went really spikes, we'll be wanting a bit of cold weather back. So it's uh, right. it's been a great experience so far, for sure. Well, I wanted to take the opportunity as well because I hadn't done it just yet. For those fans that are tuning in and you're wondering, okay, Henry Trinder joining the Dallas Jackals, but what's his story? Okay, so let's run through a few of the points of the resume here. Uh, so originally from Swindon in England, participated in the Premiership, as you said, for near on 10 years or just over 10 years, I think, right? Um, predominantly, of course, Gloucester uh, uh, team. You recently spent time in France as a medical joker from last season, correct? The 20 to 2021 season. Um, yeah. And and that was the Division Two side. Uh, I might be pronouncing correctly. Is it Vans or Vens? Van. Van. Not even close. All right. Definitely pronouncing it incorrectly. <laughs> um, but now you find yourself here. And what the fans have found very interesting, and this is kind of now becoming progressively becoming a more interesting trend, um, is that you are signed until the 2023 season, correct? With the Dallas Jackals. Yes. And the great news about this is that a lot of players have come from overseas and they've tried one season. And now you're seeing a player who's been, who's going to be dedicating for two, who knows, hopefully even more. Uh, but you started as, as early with your great success at the under 18 level. And of course the under twenties, national colors, national honors, whatever you want to call it uh, for England. Um, so, you know, this is, this has been a part of your life for a very, very long time. Um, so we're very happy to be able to have, and I just want to highlight some of that, those points in your resume that fans who are tuning in know what we're talking about is a seasoned veteran of the sport. Definitely a veteran getting old, Mark. <laughs> the bruises last a little longer, the knocks sure. feel a little harder. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we have to wait until Henry starts developing the salt and pepper hair before we actually call them seasoned. <laughs> what? Uh, like myself, I'm well seasoned. Uh, <laughs> You know, Ty just spoke about, uh, you know, your two-year contract, about coming here. Um, and You mentioned and talked a little bit about developing rugby. I want to delve into that for just a moment with this next question. Um, run, pass, or kick, on several occasions, you have spoken publicly about your desire to build and grow something in Dallas as a motivating factor for your coming to the United States to ply your trade. Run pass or kick, does this mean you plan on putting down some roots in the United States? 
Um, He's looking at his wife right now for direction. (laughs) (laughs) What do I say? I'd be interested to see how you are. I'm going to kick this one. And I'll go to you, Rob. Oh, Oh, wonderful. With that that English, with that, yeah, there we are, with the English accent. And I'll I'll critique you if it's right or wrong. (laughs) What, the accent? Yeah, I have to get the accent right and the actual answer right. This is one. All right, you've added an extra layer to this. It's like when somebody, you know, uh, punts that, chips the ball overhead, you got to chase it back with an angry ma'a nonu on your tail. Jeez. <laughs> I don't know well, what mate, I, I, most. I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I really think <laughs> that uh, you plan on putting down some roots for about two years here. Uh, you're going to see how it goes if you like it and if your in-laws um, really appreciate you and really grow to love you uh, down deep and want to have your family here in the United States. For a much longer time, I think you're going to develop into a fine coach, as you've already done some coaching with the Dallas Jackals thus far. Well, it's not bad at all. I'll give you that. But not bad. Not bad at all. On behalf, point, no, said, on behalf of the Rugby Rat Show, I'd like to apologize to every British person. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, that I want to hear how he grades me out. Go ahead, Henry. Yeah. I give you. I'll give you a. I'll give you a strong seven out of ten for the accent, and it's okay. it's, it's, it's uh, yeah. I'll give you a six, seven out of ten for, for the answer. It was. Uh, I was more focused on the on the accent than I was actually right. the answer, so I was a bit mad. But yeah, I <laughs> me mean, too. By the way, we all were. Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was that was like part of the reason to to come here. Like it's uh, there's not many times I think ever in sport where you get sort of uh, an opportunity, especially in my, my age and my career, um, to, to start something fresh. You go, to a, you go to a club and it already has its principles, its beliefs, et cetera, uh, history, where here there really isn't that history with it. And, it's, and it was a, a great, obviously, talking to Elaine, who all my comms were through when uh, we were obviously doing the, the process of, of deciding. Uh, and it just, the picture that, that she painted, uh, the values that they wanted to keep to, um, as well as adding on the the lovely weather. I've been in England all my life. It rains a lot. It gets boring. <laughs> uh, and 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 wanting that experience. Obviously, the family side uh, being closer. That that was an appeal as well. So I think uh, when when I sort of like decided on the well, for me the rugby was the easy bit, and it was a, a decision then to, to to go this way and go to Texas. And, and I think. Uh, it well, it's worked out so far. Like loved it, everything that we sort of we wanted it to be, it is, um, uh, and that's sort of the same as a couple of the other international guys as well who have sort of come. Chris Pennell probably won't mind me talking on his behalf, but just an opportunity to really be a big part of something from the beginning and and really sort of, so I think I mean quote myself, pave the way for the layering in those foundations. Uh, really trying to give as much as we can. So the jackals in a couple of years' times, when when the boots are hung up, are, are set hopefully and, and 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 sort of ready to go season from season and, and go sort of level by level. I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. It, we we've got uh, we've had what a three. I've been here for two weeks now. Three weeks, obviously, when the visas were sorted, uh, and there's so much to cover in such a short space of time. So we'll be growing the whole time and. And I think that's one of the exciting bit is that we'll get better week by week. And, and also it's the, uh, the potential we already have in this group that, that, that very honestly, I didn't really know a lot of the guys at all. Uh, so to come and really be like, wow, we've, we've actually got some really good players, a real strong squad. Uh, there's no assholes or anything. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I mean, there's, there's no like characters that are, mm-hmm. uh, are sort of like don't fit in like I think the recruitment's been fantastic in that sense that everyone's here with the same ideas of wanting to grow wanting to be good wanting to get better every day and and then hopefully start winning games and then go go higher so super exciting I mean it's, it's the beginning so much to do right now we're, we're, we're super rushed but, but it's, it's, uh, it's been uh, super cool so far the process the learnings and as you said the, the coaching element that I hopefully will, will sort of fall into somewhere if, if not here would be 
uh, is really exciting process, really, of playing, coaching alongside and then sort of layering and learning from the, the, the coaching staff we have now. So, yeah, I've probably ranted on a lot there, but I think it's uh, in terms of ticking all my boxes, it was uh, it, it is exactly that. Well, ranting is kind of what we do on the Rugby Rant. So uh, <laughs> we, we, we'll, we'll let you run a little bit longer with that one. <laughs> For sure. But, you know, it's all good stuff. And I'm actually going to piggyback on some of that, though, because – the words that you would use there is, uh, and actually it perfectly lines up with our next question here. So let me just jump right into that. Uh, so run past a kid. You were quoted as saying just a moment ago, um, Elaine, as in Elaine Vassi, uh, talk about her vision of the club and how they want to play as a brand. And you spoke a little bit about the culture that's starting to form, our impression you were with some of these aspects already and the quality of the squad. Um, so here lies the question. Uh, this was a part of obviously of your reasoning for joining the Jackals. What is that vision and what is the, the, the brand of rugby that the Jackals fans can expect from the organization when they hit the field in 2022? Uh, right. Um, well, um, I mean, so we've all come here. We've all come here to, to play an exciting brand of rugby um, and, and everyone's on board with that and, and the recruitment they've got. We've got some very, very good guys in, in, in very good positions, uh, some very exciting young winners that we've got. Uh, and also some big boys up front that can really run with the ball, really get us on the front foot and going forward. And, and hopefully, well, we have got the, the sprinkles of, of old people to hopefully build and, and lift that all together. So um, su- super exciting. We want to offload. We want to score tries to to win. And, and, and ultimately, that will grow. But I mean, we I think for me, when I was talking to Elaine about it, how I envision the club is just to play rugby with no shackles. Sometimes we're mm-hmm. going to have to kick. Sometimes we can run, but it's not a case of we're just going to run up our own ass the whole time. We're going to play sensible rugby, but always, always, always to, to score tries from anywhere. And uh, and for me, as, as a player of, of sort of how I've played my career, uh, that's perfect. I, I want to attack an attack mindset. Uh, I always want to, to back sort of my ability, the abilities of others around me instead of having this right and it can be very, and not all teams do it, but it can be very English. I've been in squads where it's like, right, we, we're kicking everything up to the halfway line or the mm-hmm. 10. Or we're, we're playing two phases. If we don't go anywhere, we're kicking it. And it's almost... Uh, that, I, that, I'm that South philosophy. African. You don't have to tell me about that strategy. Well, yeah, there, we go. <laughs> there we go. So, so like that yeah. philosophy is getting the ball, having one punch play, bang, 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 bang. Till someone makes a mistake, we'll kick points where where we want to be free flowing. We want to have that that courageous side, right? Which which quote unquote is like what most people recognize as the running rugby, right? Mm -hmm. And and it is an exciting brand of rugby because with it comes a certain degree of unpredictability, which makes the sport exciting. I mean, the one thing about sport in general, why I think people still are so entertained by it across the globe, is that it is truly the only reality TV left, right? Because it's unscripted. Uh, and anything can happen. And that's what makes it beautiful. Um, and, and, you know, thank you for, for sharing this. But it sounds like Dallas Jackal fans uh, can be excited for what's to come. I mean, it looks like there's going to be a focus on speed and at recycling the ball as quickly as possible uh, and creating as many opportunities. So it's not going to be bogged down and slow the game down type strategies from what I'm hearing in between the lines. Yeah, for sure. We, I mean, we want to be almost like a... Every time we want to be loaded to go, uh, whether we have to slow it down, uh, have to slow it down, or where we, we get real quick ball, we always want that option to to be able to do everything. Uh, we're obviously very fresh in, in installing a uh, a, um, a framework that allows us to do that. Uh, everyone's getting to know each other. Uh, a couple of the guys are really, really sort of like raw and and, and early in their rugby career, coming from other sports. Uh, so th- th- there's there's a lot to cover in, in a short space, and, and as I said, we we will get better every every week. But we definitely from the off, everyone's on the same page that we're we're not going to be scared to, to really run with the ball, and and ultimately we want to be a team that has the ball. We don't want to be one of these teams that kicks and waits for mistakes to happen. We want to have the ball as much as possible, and and then dictate what what goes from there. I think predominantly that that philosophy fits well within the MLR. I don't know how much of the MLR you watch prior to coming over or having conversations with Elaine, but, you know, by and large that, that typifies the league, you know, it's the exciting brand, quick ball, fast pace, always looking to score, not worried to take chances to advance, you know, advance your team's position on the pitch and score tries. So that sounds exciting. I know our good friend, Rick Collins down there. If you don't know Rick, you'll get to know him soon. 
Uh, Rick Collins will be really, really excited. He runs the, uh, the Dallas Jackals yeah. Supporters Jackals Club. Club. At least yeah. he's one of the big uh, uh, contributors. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay, cool. He's a good mate. He's a good mate. Uh, one of the things I wanted to touch base on here before we start to transition to um, the next phase of our interview um, was you talked about the fact that, you know, you've got a lot of young guys and you're one of those savvy vets that's obviously has a great resume, spent a ton of time in the prem, has certainly learned and honed your craft. But the side of perhaps sport that some people forget about is the injury component. We know um, as I was doing some some research, that you've had some injuries uh, over the course of your career, um, and and you know hamstring injury, shoulder injury, ACL, uh, and and it's limited your career in the prem a bit. Um, I think it's important for young athletes um, who are perhaps watching and listening uh, to kind of get a perspective here. So run, pass, or kick. Mentally, injuries can really wear on the resolve of any athlete. How did you maintain your focus to overcome these injuries and return to play? Um, uh, run. I think um, it's hard. I mean, you get you get your small injuries and then you get your big injuries. And uh, sometimes those small injuries, if they are one after the other, after the other, after the other, can actually be worse than, than the longer ones. And it's... Uh, I mean, hey, you, you you were nice. You only select. You only sort of mentioned about twenty five percent, even twenty percent of the injuries I've actually had. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've had both the long ones, ruptured my Achilles, done two ACLs, uh, fractured shoulder, fractured jaw, and then I've had the the hamstrings, the little tweaks, uh, the the AC joint bruises, all, all the all the fun stuff. But uh, hey, I, I think. Well, one now, I'm probably not built to play rugby, looking back at everything now. But a- apart from that, I think the thing that's always brought me back is I've been very, very lucky to to have um, a close group of friends and, and actually be involved in good squads where uh, you're training on your own, you're doing all your rehab in, in the morning, but then when the bulk of the guys come in, you're just you're treated exactly the same, you're involved exactly the same. Uh, and I've grown some very, very, very good uh, friends over the years that I can, I can wholeheartedly say have helped me through each one. Uh, my family always being very supportive. Uh, my wife doing all the horrible things when you your leg up on the sofa and you can't move around and she needs to do everything, feed you, give you coffee, change the the wee pots and empty them. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. and it's, actually uh, like yeah. regress into ch- little children. <laughs> yeah, honestly, so I've had some. Yeah, I've had some horrible ones, which you, you are, and uh, and you you literally have to. You, you, you're on there sort of like you're, you're begging on their win in terms of as long as they'll, they'll help you, they'll help you. But, um, it's definitely, definitely the support around me that's allowed me to, to really just concentrate and focus on, on getting back. And I'm sort of one of those, um, the finer details of recovery is, is for me is just burying yourself into it. Uh, and you have to go up a hundred percent into it. Otherwise you'll come back not where you are. And right. Professional sort of athletes like, talk about. Yeah. You know, this so often that it's just as much, uh, uh, you know, mental as it is physical, uh, you know, repair of the mind, body and soul, you know, it, and it is, it's frustrating. Sometimes, as you said, you know, if you've got one small injury after another and it just sidelines you with uh, stuff like that, but it happens a lot. So a variety of different reasons, but a lot of it is, is, is your attitude. And it sounds like, you know, throughout all, you've had good people to be able to lift your spirits. So and that's, that, that helps a lot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that, that's probably is literally the main thing. Like all, all those guys around me have helped me. The clubs I've been at have always supported me. Uh, and luckily, I've, I've bounced back and be able to reach a peak that I was at, or, or, or surpass the peak I was at, which obviously obviously helped. But um, yeah, I think uh, a group around you will always help you more than you trying to do it on your own. And I've always, I've, I've never been shy of, of, of no, well, I've never been shy of knowing that and, and accepting that. And, and obviously, I've been very, very lucky to to be in a position where, where I've got people around me that have, have got my back or can pick me up, etc. Well, that is a good story and great to hear. And on that note, one of the uh, the supporting factors that get, have our back uh, week after week is certainly the Tight Head Brewing and the team out in Munderline, Illinois, that support them. So we're going to take a few moments away from our interview here on the Run Pass of interview, interview with Kid of you, interview? What the hell am I saying? <laughs> that one came out wrong. Let me try that again. Hold on. Ah, a little bit. Okay. We're going to break there. So um, 
Okay. And on that note, talking about support, we're going to take a few moments to be able to share who supports us as we swing it out to Rob Hammerschmidt. We'll be back in just a moment with Henry Trinder. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.